It's me, David Webb, and here's a highlight from today's show on Sirius XM Patriot. The burn pits issue is one of those things we're beginning to see more and more about. You see ads on television. A lot of you have seen the the John Stewart videos, the political wrangling uh, back and forth. How, how many people actually understand it is uh, one question. What it really is and who it applies to, uh, those who serve, for example, in Iraq, Afghanistan, uh, Southeast Asia uh, as a whole, and and what was put into the burn pits that now have caused uh, the various uh, symptoms, symptomology, and how we actually address this issue. Now, Congress, for his part, has gone back and forth, or for its part, has gone back and forth politically. Let's go to the issue and do so with Executive Director of a mission roll call, Cole Lyle. Now, Cole, uh, many of the veterans know this, people that were there, things that were thrown in, you know, chemicals, medical, human waste, paint, food, rubber, aluminum cans, styrofoam, plastics, you name it, lubricants, petroleum, all these things that were put in. And, and the various effects, uh, the irritation, the breathing issues, the rashes, the, the, the potential for respiratory and neurological disorders uh start with congress and let's work our way through this see if we can get the right information out there because oftentimes you have to source different stories to find out the facts or at least uh, to try and get to some understanding right and david thanks for having me on it's always a pleasure uh congress has been looking at addressing this issue uh, for years right because we've we've known this is a, a problem through uh, the veteran service organizations like Mission Roll Call that have uh, that have said that this is an issue. The problem was is that DOD did not keep accurate records of what went into the burn pits, uh, how many burn pits there were, uh, where they were. I mean, obviously, we can glean some of this information from the people that were on the ground, but it took some time to figure out, you know, where they all were um, and who was exposed, but we still didn't have any information about what went into it. So there wasn't a whole lot of scientific evidence uh, that would substantiate what kinds of exposures were leading to different kinds of cancers and respiratory issues um, and all that stuff, right? So there was a, a continuing debate in Congress going on about that for, for years. But, you know, the Vietnam-era veterans who had to wait decades for their Agent Orange um, benefits from the VA and their health care from the VA uh, really were the the people behind pushing congress to say you know we don't necessarily care if the scientific evidence is not as strong as we would like it to be we want to avoid another agent orange type mistake where a whole generation of veterans are dying and not getting health care um, and the benefits that they need and, the, and that their families need um, to you know to live productive lives in in society and and get the health care they need for these issues so that's kind of why this issue came to a head finally. Uh, and there were two competing bills in the House and the Senate, uh, one which was led by Senator Tester, um, the chairman of the Senate Veterans Affairs Committee, uh, passed the Senate back in April or May. 
Um, the House had the opportunity to take that up, and they, they said no, Chairman Takano, um, and uh, the House said, no, we're not going to do that. We want our larger version that includes disability benefits to be passed. Um, and because it was a presidential priority that was named in the State of the Union, um, there was a lot of momentum, political momentum, behind you know advocating for the larger version of that bill, which is why you saw John Stewart come out for it. You saw, um, I mean, even Republicans in the Senate said, you know, we support this larger version. But it just came down to, at the end of the day, um, there were some last-minute objections for, for different reasons. They finally got it across the finish line. And, and so uh, now the challenge is, can VA implement this effectively? All right. So let, let's go to that next step. And, you know, ahead of in, implementation and maybe a bit more still in the legislative process is identification. As you said, the challenge is what went in and not dissimilar. You know, my father dealt with uh, the after effects of Agent Orange from his service in Vietnam in the battle to then identify, you know, who had, who was really exposed. And, you know, the, the, the concern for some is that while you want to take care of everyone who was affected, uh, making sure it's not so all-encompassing that it just gets abused. So, you know, the, 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 to be honest about it in the sense of reporting on the issue, there may be those out there who claim but are not entitled, and that becomes difficult, difficult to prove yeah, either way. Of, of course, because, um, I mean, I think, to be frank, that exists in the VA now. You see uh, any veteran you talk to that, that deals with the VA will tell you that they see veterans that are 100% service-connected, disabled, that, you know, maybe are, you know, are not as disabled as they claim to be. You know, the, VI, uh, the VA Office of Inspector General goes after people that abuse the system. There's going to be a, a small percentage of people that certainly try to take advantage of this. Um, but I think overall, Again, Congress and, and veteran service organizations just didn't want to make that mistake where veterans, you know, were continuing to die uh, based on issues they had that were directly related. Now, I mean, again, I, I take your point that the um, that the issues maybe couldn't be directly uh, tied to specific burn pit issues. We have a general idea, as you alluded to, of what went into the burn pits, uh, jet fuel Particulate matter, particulate matter, human waste, um, smoke and fumes from aircraft exhaust, oil well fires in the case of, of Gulf War veterans, um, all sorts of things, right? And as part of trying to provide this health care and research this issue for years, um, they actually did create, Congress did create the uh, Airborne Hazards and Burn Pit Exposures Registry that veterans could voluntarily go on and, and say, this is where I was. And that was part of how they figured out where all these burn pits uh, were, what people were exposed to. So it was very much a self-reporting thing. So there's not, it's not like there's no evidence to suggest what went into the burn pits. Like we, we know um, in, in a lot of cases what went into the burn pits. The challenge became how do you, research because we don't have any soil samples we don't have any um, air samples from those areas at the time to determine 
levels of toxicity and so forth and so on that researchers at, at NIH and CDC could then study to determine how much that might have impacted certain conditions. So the PACT Act that passed um, basically said, you know, if you were exposed, you don't necessarily, if you file a disability claim, have to prove that if you have this condition and you were in the military in one of these places in Iraq or Afghanistan, um, you no longer have to prove that that is service-connected. We will presume, hence the presumption of disability, um, that that was caused by this, right? So that's just, there's 23 different conditions that were in the PACT Act, um, cancers and illnesses, mostly respiratory, um, that were included. And the VA came out, part of that implementation thing I, I mentioned earlier, is in the PACT Act, it called for kind of a phased approach where you didn't have an estimated 2.5 to 3.5 million veterans all submitting claims at one time and overloading an already backlogged VA claim system. They called for certain conditions to be implemented uh, this year, certain conditions for next year, and so on and so forth. After the PACT Act passed, uh, at the signing ceremony, the president came out and said, um, you know, I am directing the VA to make all of these conditions available for health care and benefits now. Despite the fact that what was in the bill called for a phased approach, he said he was going to direct the VA to make all those available now. That's concerning for me uh, and for a lot of veteran service organizations and, and members of Congress because, as I mentioned, the claims uh, backlog is just now starting to get a little bit better than what it has. Uh, it's still not at pre-COVID levels. Um, but you still have hundreds of thousands of veterans on um, on wait lists, basically, for conditions that they've submitted for disability compensation. Um, and adding another 2.5 or 3.5 will just kind of make the VA's job harder here. And that's that's really the concern. And I'm looking at the performance of, you know, presidential directive that you just mentioned uh, the current secretary, Secretary McDonough, uh, McDonough, who's, you know, look, I, I've looked at, you know, what's being done, not what's being said in the media. I find a lot of ineffectiveness under his leadership, uh, lack of uh, lack of experience is a part of the problem. He doesn't have it. Uh, when it comes to running this organization and the mission it has, the medical mission, the service mission, uh, you know, among many others. So, you know, with your points about flooding the system and while we want veterans to get treatment sooner when it comes to when it comes to your medical you know, situation, the more you delay, typically the worse you get. Uh, is this staged approach enough for you, Cole? Um, I, you know, I spoke with somebody, a senior official at the um, Board of Veterans Appeals, not long before uh, the PACT Act passed, and I asked them, I said, hey, um, are, are y'all prepared for this influx of claims? And the response was verbatim, um, quote, we are prepared under the phased approach, end quote. Um, and that was before the president made his uh, directive to say, hey, we're going to make all this available. Um, now, he was talking, to be clear, about burn pit issues. Um, he wasn't talking about the presumptive conditions that were being added to Vietnam-era Agent Orange uh, uh, presumptions. Uh, and to be, to be fair, uh, those were kind of a concern for a lot of people because one of them included 
hypertension, which is high blood pressure, which tends to be more common amongst people in that age demographic anyway. So there was going to be kind of um, a larger, probably anticipated amount of claims. Um, but he was only talking about burn pits. That still includes 23 conditions and an estimated 2.5 million people. Um, but this is why, you know, it, it's so important to keep the VA's feet to the fire and that Congress have realistic ex expectations based on how much they fund them of what they can do in a certain amount of time. And my fear is that the VA, especially now with the president's directive, will not be able uh, to keep up with the pace of claims. We're going to see that claims backlog spike. Um, and then a few years from now, maybe a year from now, um, VA officials will be brought to Congress and uh, and used as a punching bag, you know, because they they and the VA and VSOs didn't anticipate this outcome. It'll be a closely watched issue for a number of organizations like yourself, others, uh, as you and I know, Cole, and as for Congress, what, what if anything, can they do now? Well, certainly they have to ensure that based on congressional intent, as I mentioned, um, the, the bill gets implemented the way they intended for it to get implemented, and we're already seeing that not happen uh, because the president is directing the VA and the VA is going to carry out um, this, these presumptive conditions immediately versus some of the phased approach that we were looking at. And we're still getting information back from the VA on their schedule for implementation under the president's directive and all sorts of things. Um, I mean, Congress has their traditional powers of the purse, right? So if the VA is not doing something the, the way they want to do it, um, they go through the appropriations process, the um, legislative process. It's, it's hard because, frankly, the VA, a lot of people don't realize, is the largest healthcare system in the country. It is a hugely complicated uh, bureaucratic organization, not to mention a healthcare organization. So to your point about Secretary McDonough, he doesn't have the healthcare background. Um, I would argue that his time as the chief of staff in the White House and, and some of his other experience actually is beneficial for an organization of this size, just because it is a bureaucracy and chief of staff of the White House, obviously you're going to uh, be in charge of a large bureaucracy there. Um, so I think he does have some ability to kind of wrangle players and get people on board to, to go the direction he wants them to go. The well, then in that is, case, why hasn't he gone to Congress in the time since this has happened? I mean, if you want to take action and the right action, McDonough has not gone to Congress, to the best of my knowledge, tried to find out if he's gone even to committees and no one can seem to find it, then if he is capable, why hasn't he gone to say, guys, hang on, the president can say what he wants, and I get that, and you work for the president, but at the same time, this is what we need to do to actually get it done. I mean, look, the yeah. difference in leadership, I'm going to draw a contrast. Robert Wilkie was not unafraid to go to Donald Trump and say, we want to get this done with mission and choice. There are ways to get it done, and these are the issues and things we have to deal with. McDonough seems to be an absent VA secretary, except when there's a photo op. I'm just going to be blunt about it. Well, I, you know, I, as a former, as somebody who worked for Secretary Wilkie in the Office of Congressional and um, Legislative Affairs, um, I'm sure that there are conversations being had, whether or not they're they're public or, or 
you know, uh, obviously there hasn't been a hearing on this, right? Um, I'm sure conversations are being had behind the scenes. The extent to which he is raising those concerns about the implementation, um, you know, remains to be seen. Uh, if if that will lead to any sort of practical effect, um, I think going forward, though, what we've seen is historically, I think the VA's budget in 2001 was about 45 billion. Um, this year, their request was 301 billion. Um, Congress has traditionally kind of rubber stamped the VA's budget because, you know, most of it is mandatory spending, which is the disability compensation. The other half for healthcare, um, they come back and they say, well, you know, we need this much to to provide excellent, high quality, world class healthcare for veterans. And Congress, because um, you know, veterans are a venerated group of people in the country, are reticent to to really question. Um, VA budgets and outcomes because, you know, there is a political cost to that. Um, certainly, if they have any issues with implementation of the PACT Act, uh, they're going to come back and they're going to say, you know, we need more money to implement this, especially because the president has directed us to provide presumptive conditions in health care for all of these burn pit issues immediately versus the phased approach. Um, so I can't really answer your question because I, I know that conversations are probably being had. So to be fair, I don't want to necessarily say that that's not happening right now. Um, the extent to which uh, Secretary McDonough is going to the White House and the Domestic Policy Council and the president himself and saying, that's a mistake, we need more time, is unclear. I, I just don't know if those conversations are being had because to your point, they haven't been public about it. Well, you know, let's see, uh, let's see what happens. But we'll be keeping a close eye on this, as I know you are, Cole. Always good to have you on. Thank you. Yep. Thanks, David. Appreciate your time. Cole Lyle, a Marine veteran, by the way, and executive director of Mission Roll Call. Join me live on The David Webb Show Monday to Friday, 9 to noon East on Sirius XM Patriot 125.